Welcome to In It Together. I'm your host, Freddie Blooms. This is a podcast where we talk about life lessons happening in real time when people are still in the wild muck of it all. Our guest today is Ash Hay. Ash Hay is an artist, caregiver, and death educator living in Santa Rosa, California. They love soup, karaoke, and hanging with their animals, dog, sheep, chickens. You can follow their doula Instagram at portal underscore pal and see their current art offerings at Ash Hay Art. These will also be linked in the show notes. In this conversation, Ash shares about how their path toward becoming a death doula means reorienting their relationship to capitalism as well. While they didn't have adequate support in preparing for and processing their dad's death as a child, and grieving their bubby, who died in 2020, they were able to retroactively show up for all of their grief in themselves, and began answering the call to show up for others' ends-of-life processes as well. If you're sitting here thinking, oh my god, I don't want to listen to something about death right now, please hang on. Ash is such a gem. They're very funny. So many of us associate death with heaviness and something to be avoided, but they really bring joy, humanity, connection, and laughter along for the ride. Not to override the grief and the sadness, but to live alongside of it, because all those things are a natural part of these processes of being alive. And yes, this episode is about death, but it's also about following your dreams. There's something really valuable for me in here about the way Ash is pursuing their vision and dream with so much clarity. It takes courage to invest in oneself. I'll be taking this cue from Ash. I'm also going to be reviewing my uh, Google death. Oh my God. My Google doc will that includes the menu for the memorial service. Just me being a control freak to the end. But you know, maybe there's something in there. That's really just an offering to my loved ones. Anyway, here's the episode. Hope you enjoy. Hi, Ash. So happy to see you. How are you doing tonight? Hi, Freddie. I'm doing good. I'm happy to be here with you. I'm ready to just jump in and ask you, what are you in the process of learning? Well, in the very like literal sense, I am learning to be a death doula. I'm mm. in a death doula training program. And in the more personal kind of picture of my life sense, I'm learning how to accept my offerings as enough and feel confident mm. giving them out to people and receiving compensation for them. Mm-hmm. I'm curious if there's a connection between you're learning to be a death doula and you're valuing your offerings. Yes. I never wanted to be like a independent contractor or business owner. Um, up until this point, like I've, my relationship with capitalism was I really enjoyed being an employee. I loved clocking in. <laughs> I loved knowing exactly what was expected of me mm. and to give that. And sometimes I could be a little extra if I want, but I loved knowing what days I was working and what days I was not working and really not working on those days. And now I have a desire to be this thing, a doula. Um, And there's really no way to do that without doing it on your own as a business. Mm. Like there's no really doula, death doula agencies. And even if there was, it's such a kind of job where you're like giving yourself like so much of who you are. And showing up fully in a way that you don't really show up when you're a barista or bartender. Um, (laughs) Not to say that there's not serious personal Mm. work in the customer service field. I definitely 
brought some of that with me. But yeah, I'm learning how to be okay with breaking up with that relationship to capitalism so that I can fully realize a dream of being a death worker. I've never really wanted a career before until now. Wow, that's so cool. But I also want to hear a little bit more about what is a death doula? A death doula is basically non-medical support for the process of dying. And that support can be given to the person who's dying, to their family and their friends and their circle. A doula is someone who holds the space for you to have power and autonomy in your death to the best of your ability. And also to help with the nitty gritty of dying, the advanced directives and the paperwork and knowing what it takes to close a life down in our world of computers and paperwork and everything like that. Everyone brings their own kind of specialty to their role. Some doulas offer a whole myriad of things. Some doulas are like, I only sit vigil. Hmm. So no two doulas are really alike. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And obviously death as a concept and as a physical reality is um, emotionally loaded. It's one thing we all have in common. I'm curious what drew you to being a death doula specifically? Um, Well, my road to becoming a death doula, it's kind of like two parts. It's like I experienced two very close and different deaths in my life that, you know, my, the first one I experienced, I was 12 when my dad died and, you know, you're a kid, you're just, you're kind of following the lead of everyone around Mm. you. So I wasn't present. I kind of just, checked out and I felt really like empowered by my ability to be unaffected Mm. quote unquote unaffected let's let's be real um but you know that was really high currency in my family to be like cool calm go with the flow to to be strong I have a kind of a different idea what strength is now but Mm. then it was like you can handle anything Mm. so that experience of like being really disconnected from my dad dying when I was young and then right as I started to hit my 20s I really felt the does like a lot of regret that I have forgotten so much in that time I mean there's so much I wish I could like remember from mm. that those moments in my life and they come back so my hope is like I get mm. what I get and I don't get upset but mm-hmm, <laughs> I mean, I do mm-hmm. get upset. I'm upset all the time, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I embrace what I receive. Mm. And then at the beginning of 2020, like January 4th, my puppy died mm. and she is everything to me. Like my, she's my, I think everything I really like about myself, I got from her. So like mm. when she left this mortal coil, it was a huge deal. And I followed this little voice inside that told me to just show up. And I really did. I didn't know what I was doing, but I really felt um, guided in a way that I'd never felt before. And they, she was in LA when she died and I was up here. I came right down. But mm-hmm. even before, like my mom called me, there was just, you know, I mean, you know, when you feel that like kind of tingle inside or something where you're like oh there's a difference like something is different it's specifically around death too I think sometimes yeah and so I allowed myself to really show up for myself to 
feel every feeling deeply. And it was one of these things where it's like, you know, my, my community and my circle of friends, as it's gotten more popular online, everyone's taking more therapy before this moment. It was like, <laughs> of course, I was having this conversation with my friends. Like, we just have to feel our feelings. Like, it's okay, like, to support one another. I would always encourage my friends to like, yeah, no, feel what you feel. Like all feelings are valid. And then I was in this seat where I was like, oh my God, these then are. you actually had to feel your feelings. Yeah. These are feelings with a capital F, you mm. know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was like, okay, take time to, time to practice what you preach mm. and show up and being able to compare those experiences. And and I don't really recommend this in general to compare mm-hmm. one death to another, Sure, but in my personal life to be like, wow, I'm not any less sad. I'm not any less devastated and I don't miss her any less, but the feeling of showing up for grief and sitting in it and being with it, it's like, who, who likes the feeling of being watched? No one. You want to mm. look around and look in the eyes of the person or the mm. being or the feeling that's with you in the room. And that feeling of showing up for the grief for my bubby, I have been retroactively showing up for the grief for my dad. Mm. And I don't know if I necessarily have the language for this yet or if it exists, but there is joy in grief. Mm. It's there. You know, the memories and the connection and like that deep gushing crying that like kind of roto-rooter washes your emotional (laughs) brain to to feel something so deeply. It's like being alive. Grief Mm. is being alive. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm so moved by the idea and I'm so moved by the reality that in grieving your Bubby's death, that you were also able to be retroactively grieving your dad's death. And it sounds like I imagine also showing up for yourself in a different way that you weren't able to before. Yeah. Yeah. And it's been kind of like a domino effect that, you know, healing is one of those things that it's not fun most of the mm, time. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you're like, oh, my God, what have I gotten myself into? Right. You can't start like you can't start unhealing once you've begun because <laughs> it's it's the truth. You see what you need. Yeah. yeah. And so I and grief is kind of like that. It's kind mm. of like if I had pushed this down or pushed it away, would it have would I not be like sitting on the floor of my cr- of my closet crying with like five minutes before work puffy face mm. in another life I could have been just like oh I can't sit here and smell my bubby's handkerchiefs right now I know I have to go to work but I decided no you know I want to mm. smell them I want to smell that smell so I take a big whiff and you know everything comes with it mm. but I feel grateful I feel gratitude to be able to like hold that strong feeling still like to be able to miss her so much and to be able to miss my dad so much Mm. I don't take it for granted it's 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 um kind of like a receipt of the experiences we all we had together Mm. yeah I love that you have a physical tangible practice like smelling your bubby's handkerchiefs that like you can bring into your grief yeah I'm all physical I'm you're a Taurus, right? I'm a Taurus. I'm a double Taurus, baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I mean, all of my rituals, all of my magic, it's all about, I really react to like the physicality of something, the like looking at it, smelling it, touching it. Yeah, well, I can see how spiritually you're really called to this path of becoming a death doula. And I'd love to hear more about what it's been like to shift your relationship to capitalism, as you said, and be embarking in being your own boss and, you know, working as a, a independent contractor and all that. How is that? How is that going for you? It's hard. <laughs> it's so hard. I'm having a hard time. Mm. I am deeply struggling. That's okay. <laughs> I keep telling myself, you know, that's okay. Because um, I kind of relate it to my art practice too, which is like, I believe every piece I'm ever going to make is in me. And so all Mm. the trash, all the garbage, all of the like Mm -hmm. half projects that leads to the next project, it's got to come out before I can get to that juicy thing that I want to put in the world. Mm. So I'm trying to be like, that's this. Just remember, like you're getting it out. You're moving through it. You're processing it. But it's so funny. Um, Rachel, our friend Rachel was over the other day to do some gardening and we were talking about this, about believing like the actual act of believing you are enough and mm-hmm. you can do it is so much harder than it than it seems. And I think back on all of the times I've like been like, You're enough, believe you're enough. And it's like, okay, it's really hard. Come on, cut them some slack. It's totally. hard to believe. Um, so to like show up for myself and believe I actually have everything in there that it's going to take and I have to keep pushing. I am not saying I'm no rising grind girly. That is not me. But (laughs) (laughs) pushing as in like not giving up on myself, Mm. being responsible to myself, Mm. not flaking on myself, not half listening or stuff, you know, yeah. yeah, I've got a pretty healthy case of ADHD. And so time management and organization, mm. all of these things are things that take me just like, I think a little bit longer than the assumed time. I'm not going to say than the other person, because I honestly don't think I know a person who doesn't have some sort of block. Right, right. I feel myself struggling with really being like, I've got everything it takes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm curious, you know, before you talked about being really comfortable in a role where, you know, you're told when to show up, you know what your hours are, you clock in and clock out. And I can make some inferences, but I'm curious how you would describe, like, what were you getting from that, that, you know, that you liked about it? I was getting money. That Mm -hmm. was really nice. Mm -hmm. It was kind of the opposite of that. It was... I didn't have to show up for myself. I was showing up for someone else. Mm. I am like a helper and a caregiver. That's kind of how I get my money right now, being mm. a, doing elder care. And so that kind of lives in the halfway mark. Mm. Um, it's still like defined hours, defined responsibilities. Um, but it is coming from like my gifts and my skills. I was getting like security and stability and not having a stake in it, mm, mm-hmm. you know, being numb. I was able to like really be numb 
to, to capitalism in a Which way. Which can really be desirable a lot of times. Oh, yeah. oh, it's so sweet and delicious to like not have to think about where the money's coming from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to, like somebody's taking care of my taxes, like they're taking out my income tax or the healthcare plans, part of my paycheck, the, the this and the that. The W-2 comes from the accountant, like to have that all taken care of. Right. Well, and it's lower stakes in like, you know, the emotional, spiritual sense too, right? Because if it fails in some way or it doesn't work out, then, you know, you haven't lost anything. But it also sounds like, I mean, stability and security and money are no small things. Mm-hmm. But on the emotional, spiritual front, it sounds like there's not also not a lot to be gained from that arrangement, at least in terms of like a career. No, no. And I'm also able to like, I think, think back on it so romantically right now because I'm fighting up a different stream. I'm like swimming up a different stream instead of like coasting in a lazy river. (laughs) Uh But yeah, there's no like drive and ambition and creativity. I mean, I feel really fired up about that work. That is like the thing that makes me excited is this like glowing little crystal in my brain and in my soul. That's like, it's so exciting to do this work and like I feel really connected to it and I don't want to give that up death work makes you come alive mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean it's it's when you think about your death when you prepare yourself for death it really informs how you live mm. mm-hmm. in your education around death doula doulaing and in your transition in capitalism what are you learning about yourself One, I think I'm learning new offerings that I have to give, and I'm learning the value of being a space holder and a good listener. I think I kind of underplay those skills I have, because recently I've really seen them like do some pretty magical work in some people I love's lives Mm. to like be really good at very gently allowing someone to follow those feelings and follow their grief Mm. and to just reflect back to them. Like this is a place where you can keep going as go as far as you want. And that feels really good to be like, Oh wow, this is something I can give. I'm learning how um, many other people are excited to, to talk about death work Mm. and are interested in death work. And I'm learning about the, healthcare system in the u.s sure (laughs) i'm learning about um hospice care i'm like getting invited into this very cool club of people who are ready to talk about death and ready to go to that zone and it's a cool club to be invited to yeah you must be meeting some amazing weirdos i am meeting some amazing weirdos i hope they think i'm amazing too um (laughs) I couldn't. Um, I am learning all about aquamation and green burial, and my brain is exploding, and I'm having the best time. Okay, I don't know what aquamation is. Aquamation is a form of body disposal. The body is put into a highly pressurized, like canister, a big canister, um, where like a lye solution with heat and pressure it's kind of like swished all around the body and i still have a lot to learn there are better vocab (laughs) words but this is how it comes out of my brain um 
And basically all the organic material is essentially melted away into this liquid, a liquid that is safe enough to go down the drain and be processed by our city filtration or to go into the ground and fertilize non-edible crops. Mm. What's left behind is any inorganic material, so like medical implants, fillings, things like that, and the bones. And then just like with cremation, those bones are ground up and can be given back to the family. It's like uses a fifth of the energy that cremation uses. Mm. It's doesn't put carcinogens into the air. It's cheaper. It's rad. Wow. I'm excited to learn more. Yeah. I've, had, I've had my eye on the mushroom suit, but it sounds like I've got some some options to shop for, but hopefully some time to shop for them as well. There are so many ways to be buried. So many. Mm. And there are so many ways to have a funeral. There are so many ways to die. Don't let anybody tell you that you can't have it your way. Mm. And that's kind of part of another part of what a doula is there for. We're advocates for you to mm. do it your way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Going back to the kind of personal piece a little bit, I'm seeing you, you're lighting up, you're energetic. I can tell that you're coming alive with this work and I'm feeling some level of envy and curiosity is how you get to that point. Cause I think I'm in a space where I've been unemployed for a little while. I have, you know, gigs here and there. Um, and really wanting to find my direction and my path and, you know, some part of me knowing I have a lot to offer, but a lot of me also really doubting that. And I guess I'd be curious about how you came to this point of just like seeing so clearly what you want and need and where you're going. Well, I want to caveat by like, this is like a good moment for me. Like this is mm. a, is a, a drop of honey in the bucket because I'm like, this is supporting my desires to be a doula. I'm being interviewed by a really good friend mm-hmm. that thinks I'm excited about. So I got to be hyped up. I'm in such a similar boat as you. I'm like so broke, so gig to gig. And I've been leaning a lot on imagination when I am feeling lost. I just follow desire as honestly what Mm. it is. It's like the desire peaked up when my bubby died. And like I'd heard the term death doula pop around. And I watched one YouTube video and another YouTube video and another YouTube video. And I've been a big fan of Caitlin Doherty, who is like Order of the Good Death. She's like really big on YouTube. She, I mean, I don't want to speak out of turn, but in my understanding, she's like a pioneer of death positivity online. Mm. I just follow that desire. Like, yeah, I want to do this and checking in on that desire and being intrigued and interested and mm. watching videos and listening to audiobooks, realizing like, oh, when everything is, is like falling apart this is the fantasy that that makes me excited like i love to think about myself in this role it's not really a fantasy though is it if you're on the path but then the fantasy goes and goes and goes you know the fantasy Mm. builds on itself so now i'm in the part that i fantasize about i'm in my program Mm. so now what do i get to fantasize about oh you know what i want i want like a a sprawling acres of green burial site where Mm. i could do flower farming with the liquid from people's aquamated remains (laughs) and and all this juicy stuff Mm. and you know 
I cannot tell the future. So I don't know what's actually going to well, happen. Sure. But it's fun to imagine. So for so long of my life, I was like scared to dream and imagine because I thought I would jinx it. Mm. Like I very much believe for a while, like, oh, don't get too attached to your dreams because when they don't happen, then you'll be sad. You know, yeah. classic anxiety. Love don't be it. happy because you might be sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dang, that is what it's saying, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And I'm trying to flush that. I'm trying to be mm. like, no. And, and and doing the death work has really helped me feel confident in being able to do that because it's like no day is promised. Mm. Like every being able to wake up and be like, I'm grateful for this day. And if I'm experiencing joy and like fantasizing about my dreams, it's like I might not get farther than dreaming about them. So I might as well have fun in my little dreams. Mm. We have probably have more to lose by not dreaming than we do by dreaming. Yeah. I mean, to the question of like, how did I find the thing that makes me excited? I've been trying a bajillion things for so long. Like, mm. I, you know, I've been an artist for a really long time. I mean, getting ready for the show I just did in Occidental, I have an art show up. The art show is called Cry Hard, Laugh Hard. Mm. And it's about being extremely emotional and just going with it this happens almost every time i present like a body of work it was happening a lot when i was in art school and i've had a couple shows since then the all the way up until like the week before the show is going up it's really fun and i'm lit up and i just want to like show everyone what i'm working on i'm excited and when it's time to give it give it away I get so depressed mm. and I get anxious and I don't want to give it away because it's mine. And mm. what if it's not the same on the outside as it is on the inside and it's nerve wracking. And mm. then sometimes my, you know, just because we're humans and before you know it, you're inside a survival technique that doesn't serve you anymore. I just numb out and I'm like, I don't care. Mm. I've yet to feel that with death work. Hmm. I don't know if it'll ever happen. I mean, I haven't been doing it that long. I'm also newly like an educator. I've been doing art workshops too, and I'm going to be doing uh, death workshops too as well, um, like death cafes. And I want to do some um, advanced directive dinner parties because everybody in my circle is getting their shit in order. Best believe. Cool. I want you to know that I've had a. a- informal will on google docs for years no i love that i love that i think we live in this special place with special people i don't know the rest of the world Mm -hmm. but i do know that here there is death in the air at least amongst my friend group not in a scary way but in a like let's be alive because Mm. death death is around every any corner Mm. you know it's it's so inevitable and I was thinking about this the other day, which is like, I think our parents, I don't know. I don't know anyone's parents. My parents Mm -hmm. tried to protect me from death, Mm. which looking back on it, I think is an irresponsible move to to put the blinders on Um, because it's going to happen. You can't avoid it. If you are a human on this earth listening to this podcast, you are going to die. Newsflash. Yeah. And what ways can we can we take that love that we want to give the people when we're trying to protect them Mm. what what can we actually do with that to to give them the love and support 
Mm. It's preparation and space and knowledge. Uh, you know, I'm, I don't, I don't um, fault my parents for doing the best they could, mm-hmm. what they thought was right. Mm-hmm. Their choices are informed by their experience with death. Of course. But yeah, I see it a different way. I see it as like, let's hold hands and look at it together. And it's mm. going to, you know, when a light shines bright, it's like, oh my God, I can't. But mm. in a little bit of time, you can see more and the picture gets clearer. To the best of my knowledge, you only die once, really. <laughs> so why not like make it entirely your own? Mm. Have you tried coining the phrase YODO, as in you only die once? No. Well, that's feel free to run me. with it. Oh my gosh. Don't don't be too soon, because that's a good one. You might want to hold on to that. No, by all means, it's Creative <laughs> Commons. You've mentioned a, a number of teachers and resources that have been helpful. Are there other resources that have been helpful, helpful to you in these learning processes? Yeah, I would say if you're interested in like anything green burial, eco burial, and aquamation, the Green Reaper is a great resource. And also, if you're interested in green burial, please give me a call because I want to talk to you about it. (laughs) (laughs) Like I said, Caitlin Doherty of the Good Death, the Order of the Good Death is really good. So I just read a really great book called The Good That Good Night. And it's about a palliative care doctor and basically their journey from medicine to palliative care. And palliative care is essentially just like the field of medicine that is about, like hospice, it's like, we're not trying to cure you, you're, we're trying to make you feel comfortable. Mm. But it doesn't have all of the restraints that hospice has. Like to be eligible for hospice, you have to be get a diagnosis of six months or less to live. Whereas palliative care is more accessible to all kinds of people in their illness journey. Also, Anderson Cooper has a great podcast about grief, Hmm. Uh, but it starts with he lost his mom and he's interviewing all these celebrities who have experienced huge grief. And I love celeb interviews and I love death. So it's like the pinnacle of my my favorite podcast. And it, again, is what unites us with celebrities. They're going to die, too. They're going to die. We're going to die. It's important to, like, spread information and education about these things because it's it's an ancient profession, being a death doula, but it's also new in the, like, sphere of our world. It's having a wave. Yes. And unfortunately, a lot of these abilities to be autonomous and have choice also are resources that are not accessible to all people um and so my hope is like the more that we get out there and the more doulas there are and the more funding there is for um death work it becomes more accessible to everyone because i'd love to say like death is the great equalizer we all die the same but we don't Mm. we don't Mm mm-hmm Well, who knows? Maybe someone listening to this podcast will be moved to learn more about becoming a death doula. Yes. Yes. I mean, I say go for it. (laughs) I say if there's anything in you that's like, oh, death doula, I want to do that. Follow it because (laughs) you can do it a million different ways. You (laughs) don't if you want to be a death doula, but you don't like hospitals or sitting bedside, be an educator. Hmm. Be a resource, a, a, a resource person, you know, people need lawyers, people need all kinds of stuff. 
Mm-hmm. So one of my questions going into this project was, how do you imagine yourself on the other side of this process when you're integrating the lessons more fully? And I've been getting the feedback that there's not an other side and that there's you're always integrating. Mm-hmm. So I guess I would rephrase it to say, yeah, wh- what do you imagine is the next version of you in in this process of both learning to be a death doula and reforming your relationship to capitalism? My hope is that the next version of me is able to, with more ease, complete the work I want to complete without the self-doubt. Mm. I don't think the self-doubt is going away, but like I've learned to do with other emo- like other things, the next version of me is able to sit with the self-doubt in the room and say, up, up, not right now. Hmm. She's kind of loud right now. I know about her. Yeah, she is spicy. She really <laughs> likes attention. Yeah, yeah. What's interesting, though, is this is a lesson I've learned many times. Mm. You know, growing up as a fat person, being able to shed the self-doubt of being a fat person and like enjoy my body and enjoy my life and Mm. not feel like I need to fix it. That was a hurdle and that Mm. didn't happen overnight, Mm. but I really feel like I'm, if there is another side, Hmm. I'm on it. Fuck yeah. Yeah. The, the further down the road version of me is more comfortable with this hurdle and facing some sort of new challenge that I cannot even perceive Mm. Mm-hmm. And I hope the next version of me is a business owner. Mm. Snaps. And a resource to my community in a whole new way. Mm. I love that intention and that vision. And I believe you'll get there. Thank you. You know, I believe it too. I really do. Hell yeah. I feel like many times in my life I've thought I was going to be something and I've been unsure. Mm. Kind of like lukewarm water, it fizzled out on its own. There is something I feel that has carried me through the anxiety of unemployment Mm. and not being able to land like a jobby job right now and all these things. Like I am not spiraling with despair in the way that I assume I should be. Mm. And I feel like it's because of this feeling like, I'm doing what I want to do. And of course it's really hard. It's not working and there's no money coming from it <laughs> in the way I need it to. It's yeah. not, it's not supporting me right now. I'm supporting it. And yet. Yeah. And just like, you know, some people raise children to build a community around them. I'm going to raise this dream to be mm. the, my community that I invite people into. I, It's all love, which is, like the cheesy, corny truth of everything that I, you know, if it could be as like artsy and nuanced as I believe the world could be, it's not. It's love, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, thanks for rolling with my mostly off script questions tonight. I know I asked you hardly any of the things I said I was going to. and But I want to make sure that you get a chance to say anything else that's come up for you that you wanted to make sure you said in this conversation? I just want to say, if you do anything tonight, listener of this podcast, reach out to one friend or reach out to your parents, reach out to someone and say, I love you. 
and this is what I want. I, or this is what I don't want um, to happen to me when I die or when I go unconscious or ask them, what do you want? What are your wishes? Open that door because it's an act of love. And what are we doing if we're not loving and supporting our community up until the very mm. fucking end and then on? And, you know, because I don't really think it's an end end, but... Mm. I love that invitation and would also add the invitation to give a little context for why you're saying that because you don't want to worry anymore. I mean, <laughs> if you want to, but you know, nothing's wrong with a cold call. Really, <laughs> you don't want to catch them off their feet, maybe. Sure, sure. Get the real, yeah. the real raw, raw truth. Get, you know your friends and your family best. You know how to approach them. Mm-hmm. Open the door. Uh, invite them into your death plan. Maybe they'll invite you into theirs and it's going to tell you about how they want to live. It's all context clues. It's all, this person told me about how they want to die. So that gives me information about how they want to live. And if I want to love and support their life, it's helpful Mm. to have that knowledge. That's really beautiful. Uh, Well, I'm so grateful to have this conversation with you, Ash. Thank you so much for being here and thank you for the work you're doing and the path you're on. Thanks for having me, Freddie. This was really fun. Yeah. Thanks for listening to In It Together. I'm your host, Freddie Blooms. It's hard to live, laugh, and love. We weren't meant to do this shit alone. May you go out into the wild muck and know we are in it together. Till next time. And just like that, you're heavy with the memory flash of all you lost and all that's left to Find you though it happens fast, it happens slow.